Heavenly Father, it's a blessing to be here. We thank thee, Lord, for the, the bright sunshine. If I'm not mistaken, it was 17 days or something I was told without sunshine in central New York. But Lord, we know that there is the sun always does shine. It's just that sometimes we can't see it. And we also know, Heavenly Father, that our Savior shines in our hearts. And the only time that he won't is, or perhaps there are times, Lord, when we can't see that either. We pray, Lord, that through thy spirit, thou mightest open our eyes that we might see. Lord, be with those that can't be with us. Sister Paulette, Brother Roger, be with Aunt Laney, be with Sister Hilda. Others, Lord, that may escape me at this time. Lord, minister unto their needs. Bless them, Lord. Help them to feel our nearness. We pray, Lord, that in the ways that only the Spirit can do, that we might truly be bound together by a common love for Thee and for the truth that has set us free. Lord, be with those that have traveled away from us. Lord, there are many. We pray that they might have travel mercies, that they might return home safely. For we truly know that our loss is a blessing to others, and we're happy, Lord, to share from time to time. So now, Lord, speak to us out of Thy Word. Give us insight, give us direction, and we will thank thee for it, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' most precious name, amen. Would you open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, please? I wasn't certain that we would read from this chapter, but during Bible class, the Lord kept bringing me back to it. So I believe there's something he would have for us in this. I'm also going to probably reference a verse from the hymn that we sang. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. So the book of Hebrews, many believe to be written by the Apostle Paul, but we have no proof of that. He didn't sign it. Um, doesn't reference, the writer does not reference themselves in it, but the writing style seems to indicate that it very probably was the Apostle Paul. And the, and the, the letter is written to Hebrews, those who were in the past, or probably, or could be still yet, Jews practicing Judaism. And then the whole message of the, I guess if, if, if I was going to give you a suggestion of what the, the theme might be, perhaps it's better. That Jesus was a better sacrifice. Jesus was a better way than the law. Because the law couldn't change us. But through the miraculous death and resurrection of Jesus, we could be indwelled by the Spirit of God that could bring about a change in us. So this last chapter is just some following cleanup notes, so to speak. Sunder's duties, I think, is the way this Bible publisher, um, various duties, exhortations to various duties. So let's read this last chapter in the book, the letter to the Hebrews. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, 
for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with, strange, with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the gate bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but, he, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls at they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honorably. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored unto you the sooner. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd and the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in the sight, in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, which whom if ye Come shortly, I will see you. If he comes shortly, I will see you. Salute all the brethren that have the rule over you, and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Dear ones, as I, I read through this, I just I had to open to this yesterday morning. And several of the verses just kept ruminating in my mind. And I'm not sure exactly what the Lord's going to have us learn from this today, but I believe that if we, if we go verse by verse, 
He will certainly speak to us. And I love the way verse 1 begins. Let brotherly love continue. And what I love about that verse is it isn't just an exhortation to brotherly love, but it is also suggesting that it's already there. Because he said, let it continue. He was exhorting them, the writer was exhorting them to let this love for each other continue. And, and one of the things, if we think about what was happening in the, in the first century of the church, there was so much persecution. There was so much heartache. And we all know that when there is persecution, when there's heartache, the brotherhood comes together. Brothers and sisters need each other and they recognize that. And the the, 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 the minor insignificant differences among themselves don't matter because they see each other and they can embrace each other and there truly is this love. And he was saying, just let it continue. Think about this too if you um, didn't do this this year. I think we did it last year. But Frida and I, you know, our will needed to be updated. And then we actually made sure that my parents' will was updated. And, and what is a will? A will is a last will and testament. It's what would you like to be remembered for after you're gone. And what I was thankful was that the attorney that we worked with worked into our will a statement of our faith and where we would be at the time of this reading. And, and when we, we said that was so wonderful, and he said, well, don't you understand that this becomes a record of the court, a permanent record in the court, and how wonderful it will be for that permanent record to say, based, I'm going to paraphrase, if you are reading this, I have now gone to my reward in courts of glory with my Savior, Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thing. So that's, those are the last words that you want to share with people. This is the last word that this writer who I think, I probably think was, was Paul, was, 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 was sharing. And he wanted to make sure that love was continued. And then verse 2, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You've heard the stories of my dad talking about my grandma and why she fed so many people that he brought to the door. And she quoted him this scripture. Too often I have this hardened heart where I see people on the side of the road and I just think, you're just a beggar. Don't you realize there's jobs? You, you know, so many companies need people. So many businesses need people. How many times have I driven past an angel? But in my pride and my arrogance, I just drove on. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. And so I, I, I think too is are we, are we bearing one another's burdens? Are we, are we weeping with those that weep? Are we rejoicing with those that rejoice? This binds us together as a brotherhood. We need to, now for that to happen, we need to be willing to share. I also need to ask more. So let's, let's, let's not... Um, Let's not, be, let's, let's not be too careful in keeping things to ourselves. What I mean by that is be open, share. When we need something, share it. When we're fearful, share it. When we, when we need prayers, ask for them. That's what the scripture is telling us we should be doing for each other. And then verse 4, and this is a wonderful verse. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. I love the fact that this verse is in here. Because I think historically, the, the Christian church has had a, a somewhat of a twisted view 
on the relationship between a husband and a wife, the physical relationship of a husband and wife, it was a gift, it is a gift from God. It's an opportunity for believers to have part of creation, part of what was happening in the garden before the fall restored. Between Adam and Eve, they had this this amazing, intense, personal relationship with one another. And when Satan, when when they sinned, that relationship was strained as well. But this is saying there's a chance. The scriptures tell us there is an opportunity for believers in the Lord who are married to begin to rebuild part of that garden experience, so to speak. But then he says, but the reality is that outside of that experience, God's going to judge those people. That there is a place for it, and that place is within the marriage covenant of of two believers. And outside of it, God's going to deal with that. And then let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Too often, dear ones, in my life, I think that things will make me happy. Things will cheer me up. And they do for a time. But the reality is that Jesus said, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. That doesn't mean that we will not have hardship. That doesn't mean that we will not have heartache. And sometimes our hearts will break. But in those moments, he is there. He knows how to... The scriptures tell us, uh, and I think it's even earlier in in Hebrews, that he was tempted... He was tempted in all ways like as we are yet without sin. There's no temptation that we will ever be tempted with that Jesus hasn't already experienced. And that includes heartache and heartbreak and loss. He knew what it was like to lose a family member. He lost his dad, his earthly caretaking father. He knows what it's like to have dear friends pass away. He understood that pain. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to feel physical pain. And he will never, ever leave us or forsake us. Our joy needs to be in him. Our purpose needs to be centered in him. And then he says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. This was very personal for these believers that were reading this. They were faced with all kinds of persecution. And they could face it knowing that Jesus was with them. Of all of the disciples that became apostles, only one was not martyred, and that was John. Some of them, I'm sure, read this as it was being shared. And then verse 7, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. There's a qualifier in this verse. And that qualifier is you need to remember those who have spoken the word of God. Those whose whose teachings and whose lives are in keeping with the scriptures, with the teachings that came forth from God. And if that's the case, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And then I love verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I had, I had the privilege of having lunch with a friend of mine, hadn't seen for some time, probably, wow, it was pre, pre-COVID, so you know, at least three years since Dan and I had had, um, had, had lunch together. Um, he's an insurance uh, sales guy, so if you, ever need, if, if you have a business that needs an insurance guy, come see me. 
Um, he is the, he's, this, this guy's amazing. But as we, as we, um, as we were um, having lunch t- together, we, we were talking about the world that we live in. You know, and I said to him, I said, Dan, for the first time in my life, I'm starting to feel like my dad when he said, and I said he quoted, he would quote a song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me to heaven's golden shore. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. And Dan and I talked about all the insanity that's in the world today. The things that you used to think were truth and absolute. Man and a woman. We thought that was absolute at one point. Satan would like us to believe it's not. But you know what? Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and he will be forever. Whatever happens on this earth, however things shake and come apart, doesn't matter because Jesus is the same. Jesus is the same. As he's the same, he is the same Jesus that reached into the Sea of Galilee to pull out Peter, who looked and feared and sank. He's the same Jesus that raised Lazarus. He's the same Jesus that bled in the garden, sweat drops of blood. It's the same Jesus that rose on the third day that appeared to the disciples. He's the same Jesus that said to his disciples, I will not taste of the fruit of the vine until I can do it with you in my Father's kingdom. He's still Jesus. And then be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Ooh, this this verse and, and verse 10, for we have an altar whereof we have, they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. These two verses pierced the Judaizers' hearts as they read it. Had to. Because what Jesus was saying here and that we dare never forget is that our faith is in Jesus Christ and his grace. It's not in the meats. And Jesus was saying, you know, or the writer was saying, there are those whose faith is in those rituals that they've carried on, that they continued from, from Moses, that had a very perfect, it had a good reason. It was a perfect hygienic law, the way they washed the pots and what they could eat and what they couldn't eat. It, it, it's why there's a true bloodline Jew today when all other nationalities and, and, and races of people have kind of gone extinct, many of those that were, down, that were back 600 years or 6,000 years ago, but they're still Jews. But they missed the point. With 633 laws that they ended up with the law of the, the law, total law of Moses, and, 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 and they, they felt that, and, 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 and I remember hearing this, this statement one time that, not in Scripture, that it was the law that they worshipped. They missed it. And the writer said, it didn't help them. The meats didn't help them. The law didn't help them. 
They were just as lost after the sacrifice or after when they abstained from all these things, they were just as lost than had they not abstained. It's grace. It's Christ. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Golgotha was outside the city limits. It was outside the camp. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Verse 2 of the hip, excuse me, the hymn that we sang. Thou hast overcome all foes that here surround me. Listen to the second phrase. So I have all the conquering power I need. From all the bands of death thou hast unbound me, I know whereto my pilgrim pathway leads. Thou after cross at thy joys didst see, shall not the member with the head united be. We have the sacrifice that was perfect. We have the unblemished sacrifice was offered that his blood might, could, might be sprinkled upon us. Not that we can simply be made righteous, but that we can be empowered to live faithful lives to Jesus Christ through the power of his spirit that dwells within us. The, I got in trouble one time because I preached a sermon. I won't say where. And the brother was right in challenging me. I preached a sermon where I said, let's not think that God died on the cross. Now, that's without clarification, that's a really bad statement to make. And thankfully, the brother, the brother we had several emails going back and forth till he was finally convinced that I... But what I was trying to say was when Jesus was in the garden and when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't claim the power of God to withstand that torment. He died a man utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit that we have available to us. Jesus lived a perfect sinless life on this earth because he had the power. He could draw the power from the Spirit. We can draw on that same power. We have access to the same power that Jesus Christ had in his entire life at our disposal. It is the Spirit that first convicts us of sin. It is the Spirit that leads us beautifully but painfully sometimes on this path of conversion, recognizing an awareness of the sin in our lives. And then through the power of the Spirit, we begin to understand that we don't have to serve sin, that we truly can be dead to sin, that sin will no more reign in our bodies. We aren't slaves to Satan any longer. That power is what Jesus used on this earth and that power is what he grants to those who will fall on their knees and confess their sins and claim the forgiveness and claim the power it's nothing we do but like the songwriter said i have all the conquering power i need because jesus has cut the bands of satan 
Satan has no power over the believer. When I sin, it's because I've yielded again. When, when I'm angry without a cause, and, and, and when, I'm, when I'm short with people, when I doubt, when I'm fearful, it's because I'm not claiming this power. The power's there. Peter was walking on the water because Jesus was giving him the power to do it. When he looked at Jesus, he was fine. When he looked at the waves, he began to sink. So what that's telling me is, David, look at Jesus. Don't look at the waves. Don't look at how screwed up the world is. Why? Because verse 12, um, I'm sorry, Verse 14, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. This is all going to go nuts. Peter says all of this will be destroyed. It will melt with a fervent heat. That's coming. And what I should be doing when I see things becoming so chaotic and such a mess is I should rejoice because my redemption is drawing nigh. It's coming nearer than it was before. And I have to remind myself that the things of this earth, while they may give me pleasure, they do not give me joy. While they may make me happy, they will not make me joyful. But him therefore, by him therefore, let us offer a sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. And, and I love that. So he's, he's actually telling us, he's saying, you know, listen, claim the grace. It's not meats. It's grace. And remember that you don't have a, this, is not, this world is not your home. You're just a passing through. As the songwriter said. But, but the hard part is, how do we remember that? How, how, do, I, how do I remember that when when I'm physically ill? How do I remember that when loved ones are ill and may die? How do I remember that when, when everything that, I've, that I believe that I could trust in, like a nation? When I was a kid, and thankfully I think they still say it, we pledged allegiance to one nation that was under God, that was indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I was, I'm so thankful that I was raised, born and raised in this country. And I need to confess to you that I place too much confidence in that. And only now as I'm getting older and I see those institutions that I thought were rock solid starting to quiver, I start to, start to wonder, ooh, what's happening? And I have to remember... Yeah, I have some citizenship here. I've got blue passports that say it. I was born here, but this isn't my home. I have a passport that my father knows that was paid for by the blood of my Savior that says if I remain in him, I am an eternal citizen of an eternal kingdom that I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered in the heart of man the things that my Father has prepared for me as a citizen of his kingdom. And how do I remember that? By offering praise, a sacrifice of praise to God continually. 
That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You can't be grateful and thankful and unhappy at the same time. Those two emotions cannot exist. Cannot co- we cannot have an emotion of negativity and being miserable and th- in gratitude at the same time. Gratitude is cultivated. It doesn't just happen. And the writer is saying, I want you continually to be praising God and thanking him for the fact that your sins are forgiven and you've been enabled and you've been power, empowered to live a godly life. But to do good and to communicate, forget not for such sacrifice, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. We should be busy doing good. How can we do good? How can we, how, I, Frida and I were talking last night as we were getting ready to go, go through the car wash. And she was telling me of, of, a, of something she heard where, where somebody said, you know, being a friend is not what you get. Being a friend is what you offer to others. Ooh. So my question that I have to ask myself is, what kind of a friend am I? Am I a friend that gives to people, that adds value to people's lives, that makes a difference in people's lives? Or am I choosing my friendship based on what I get out of it? That's not what friendship is. Friendship is what we give, and that's it's perfect in keeping with this verse. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For such sacrif- with such sacrifice, God is well pleased. And then he goes on to verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit to yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that's unprofitable you. Verse 18, pray for us. For we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now listen, dear ones, verse 21. This is so awesome. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. That doesn't mean perfect in, 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 in the, um, as we would say, perfect today. Make you complete, lacking nothing. I'm never going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect, as we, our de- definition today, without flaw, without blemish, while we're on this earth. When will I achieve perfection? When I exhale for the last time. That's when I will be forever with the Lord. Satan will finally be vanquished without being able to cause me any doubt. I'll be in the presence of whatever the bosom of Abraham is until the Lord uh, causes the dead to rise first. That's the only time. But until then, I can still be complete. I can still be lacking nothing. Because the God that raised Jesus from the dead, and and what I love about the the way the writer has said that is this. We know Jesus was raised from the dead. Every believer knows for a fact that Jesus is risen because we have life in him because of that. So the writer is saying, just as that is a fact, so is the keeping power that God will offer us. I love that. Let me read, start the verse again. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So be it, he's saying. Emphasizes that. 
You will be enabled to, to, to be complete in him. You will be enabled to live an abundant life in him. You will be enabled to bring forth much fruit for him if you abide in him. And, how I, and again, I, I want to go back to, to the, the verse that says to just be continually be, be offering the sacrifice of praise, singing, making melody in your hearts. The Apostle Paul said to the church in Ephesus, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing them with each other, reminding each other, having them, having them playing perhaps in your homes, in your cars, where in your earbuds, if you're whatever, to whatever you give energy, you give life to. I've said that many, many years already. It's, it's something I, I stole from somebody once, a phrase. You know, and, if, and if we, where we put our energy, that's what we give life to. When I go down my pity party pits and I steep, you know, oh man, that's what I give it. Guess what? It doesn't get better. But if I give energy to the scriptures, if I give energy to the hymns of faith, if I give energy to the spiritual songs that I'm, that I'm surrounded with, that, that I've been surrounded with my whole life, put my energy in that. Verse 22, and I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. He's just saying, just take this exhortation. Embrace it. Study it. Devour it. Eat it. So that it can bring fruit in your lives. Bring forth fruit in your lives. And then know ye that our brother uh, Timothy is set at liberty. Um, this would have us believe that Timothy had been imprisoned at some point. Um, I, I did look yesterday to see, and I, there's no real historical record that I could find about that, but it sounds as though he was. Uh, with whom, if he comes shortly, I will, salute, I will see you. Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints, they of Italy salute you. Then he closed the way the Apostle Paul closed almost all of his letters. Grace be with you all. Dear ones, let's put our trust in the grace of God. Let's put our confidence in the grace of God. Let's remember that this is not our home. It is a very blessed place to be. Blessed beyond any other nation on this earth. But this is not our abiding city. And let's remember to fill our hearts with the sacrifice of praise. Because when we do, everything gets better. May the Lord add his blessing to these words.